One summer when I was when I was younger, I was I think in, in college years, I worked for the summer in the, the township maintenance department. So uh, we had a cemetery though, so the summer help, basically the cemetery was yours to take care of. So it was two of us college guys that were basically weed whacking and cutting grass for most of the summer. And as you could imagine, that was not like the best thing to do, like right in the heat of the day. So normally we try to get everything done in the cemetery early, you know, before like 10.30, whether it's weed whacking, cutting grass, mulching, anything like that. We try to get it done sooner. And then kind of the odd jobs where you go out in the trucks and, you know, whatever, check check things that needed all around the township needed done. We would we'd do that in the afternoon, hopefully. Every now and then that was not possible. And so we'd be out there in the heat of the day. It'd be like one in the afternoon in the middle of July. It's like 95 degrees out and we're weed whacking away. And the uniforms we had were like orange cotton shirts that just absorbed sweat. And so you could imagine you're out there and like every last bit of the shirt was covered in sweat to the point of, you know, you take it home and you could like wring it out. And that's probably a really disgusting image. But even as you know, you're as you're a weed whacking, you know, the little clippings of grass would get stuck to your arms because they're so sweaty. It was just like 1 p.m. in July is not a great time to weed whack, whether or not you know that probably you do. But anyways, doing things in the heat of the day, you try to avoid the most strenuous work in the heat of the day, which for this woman at the well, you notice the one little detail there, it's about noon. But you gotta ask, like, of all of the things she has to do each day, this is probably the most strenuous activity. Because you, you look at the jars up in this painting, if you can see it on that side, of the Wedding Feast of Cana, right? These big stone jars, maybe you get 20 gallons, maybe they're smaller and you get 10 gallons, but this well seems to clearly be outside of town. So this woman has to carry this jar full of water. Maybe carrying it out there is not so hard, but once you fill the thing up with water, it's gonna get pretty heavy. And it's like, why noon? Because you clearly see there's nobody else at the well except Jesus. Like they're the only two people at the well and think, you gotta, you gotta do this at like 8 a.m. or at least wait till like 7 p.m. or you know, once the sun goes down. What, why this time of day? And as her interaction with Jesus unfolds, you begin to wonder, oh, that's why she's out there at the heat of the day. When Jesus call, tells her, go, call your husband, and she's like, I, I don't have a husband. And even if you read it, you can kind of, she's probably starting to squirm just a little bit. And he said, well, you're right. You don't, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the person you're living with now, he's not your husband. Well, why is she avoiding everybody and she's coming to the well because at the time when she knows nobody else is going to be there, she doesn't want to have to go into this conversation. And she's going to the well at the heat of the day because she knows nobody will be there because she doesn't want to deal with the gossip. She doesn't want to deal with the scowls. She doesn't want to deal with the, do you hear she's with now? Like, oh my gosh, what, what are you doing? You know, like she just doesn't want to be part of that at all. And so she comes at the heat of the day. And wouldn't you know it, Jesus asked her about it anyways. So you can almost feel like at this time when you'd be sweating, right? At that time where it's the heat of the day, Jesus, internally and in the conversation, turns the heat up a little bit. He asks, you know, go call your husband. And, you know, this whole thing ensues. And you can see how uncomfortable it is for the woman because 
when Jesus says, you know, about the whole thing, his, his understanding of the situation, the woman said, Sir, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but she changes the subject. And she's like, let's start talking about mountaintop worship. Let's not talk about this whole business of heartbreak, really. As you can imagine, even, even in has, you know, the gossip that might happen around, around the well, the heartbreak that exists in her has to be real also. You could imagine somebody that's thought she's found the one five times. And the one she's with, she's not married. So it's like there's a little bit of hesitancy, like, I've been heartbroken so many times. I don't, I don't know if this is right. And we see just how intense this conversation must have been for her. But how much like laden it is with heartbreak. How just it's that heat of the day, not just like physically outside in the climate, but the heat of the moment of just how challenging it is. But it's in that heartbreak and it's in the struggles she's experiencing in her own life that our Lord shows up. Our Lord almost prods so gently, but so mercifully and so directly that it's like he brings her heartbreak to the surface so that he can deal with it. He brings up these conversations, these past woes, all the, the embarrassment, all the shame, all the heartbreak that she experiences so that they can talk about it, so that they can have a conversation about the grief she's been through in her married life about the pain she's experienced in the community and the gossip and all those sorts of things. Not so that Jesus can just act like it didn't happen, but so that his mercy and so he can talk about it with her. And how often it is in our own lives that when, whatever it is, shame, embarrassment, not wanting to deal with what people are saying or about our own failures and our own wishing we could get things right, that that's when Jesus shows up. Not with like a heavy hand to say, you could have done better there. Don't you know better than that? But in a, let's talk about this because you're clearly struggling. And the Lord comes in so mercifully to her and he does for us. And at the end of their conversation, he just simply says, I am he. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. I am the one who can fix this. The one who is speaking with you. And it's the same interaction he wants to have with each and every one of us. That when those difficult moments of our life, he doesn't want to just, us to just act like they didn't happen, right? The one inter interaction he has with this woman, he brings up the hardest part of her life. He doesn't just sweep it under the rung and say like, just act like that didn't happen. On the other hand, he doesn't start wagging his finger at her and say, you know better than this. You were, you were taught better by your parents than this. He doesn't shame her anymore. But what he comes to do is heal her. What he comes to do is to change the brokenness through his love, through his mercy. And that, of course, is the exact same thing he wants to do with each and every one of us. That when we go through those difficult moments, he just doesn't want to say, let's act like it didn't happen. And on the other hand, he doesn't want to just wag his finger at us and shame us into some guilt trip to think that we should know better. But he wants to love us. He wants to show us his love and his mercy. And it's that conversation with, them, with him that can really change things. And so the question it leaves us is, 
Well, will we have that conversation with them? Because we all have those moments, whether it's shame in the community or whether it's our own disappointments or maybe just life isn't going right at this point or whatever is heavy in our hearts. The question is, are we willing to have that conversation with them? Are we willing to let Jesus in? And even if we want to avoid it, even if we want to kind of change the subject, will we keep conversing with him? Will we keep talking with him? Will we keep allowing him to speak to us? Like the woman at the well did today. And of course she doesn't do it perfectly, but the good news is neither, that means we don't have to either. That the Lord just simply invites us to that ongoing conversation so that we can let him know what's going in in our hearts and we can hear him respond with love, with mercy, but also with firmness and with kindness and with a gaze that can heal. And hopefully we'll hear those same words that the woman heard in the gospel today. I am he. I am the Savior. I am the one who can change your life, the one who is speaking with you.